Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. My name is Shakira and I'm the host of this podcast. Here, we talk about different topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. But this month is a special month. It is actually my favorite month for the podcast. Before we get started, let's switch up the music. Hopefully to something that is a little bit more fitting. Yep. That's it right there. So this month, October, like I said, is my favorite month for the podcast because last year I started a series here entitled Black Tober. So throughout this entire month of October, we're going to be talking about different topics concerning black people and the black community. Last year, if you missed it, we talked about gentrification. We talked about misogynoir. We talked about internalized racism and institutional racism so if you don't recall any of those episodes highly recommend to revisit those but this month we're going to be talking about some new topics and I'm excited for the first one today's uh, because it's one that has been on my mind for a very long time especially with the rise of certain influencers and celebrities quote so let's get into this week's podcast episode okay so just a few carefree updates for you all before we get into our topic today first things first if you have been watching the nba finals listen personally i am rooting for the lakers now let me just say this i have never been a lakers fan (laughs) i have never been a lakers fan When I was coming up, I was always a fan of the Boston Celtics just because they had the big three, you know, um, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, KG, and they had Rondo, and I loved Rondo. I still love Rondo. So I was like a fan of theirs, and they were rivals at the time. So I hated the Lakers, but now, you know, LeBron is in LA, Rondo is in LA, Dwight Howard is in LA. So I was like, okay, let me just switch over even if it's just for this year. So that is who I'm rooting for. If you are rooting for Miami, you would think that I would be rooting for Miami since I'm from Florida, but I'm not. I'm not rooting for them in this case. So you all know where my support lies. So while you're watching the finals, you can just be thinking, okay, Shakira is more than likely watching this game right now and she's pulling for the Lakers. Now, also, there is a new movie coming to Netflix. The title of the movie is Jingle Jangle. It is a Christmas movie and it's coming November 13th this year. I'm excited about this movie because it's starring Forrest Whitaker, it's starring Felicia Rashad, it has Anika Nani Rose in the movie as well, and Anika Nani Rose played um, the Black Disney princess, Tiana, (laughs) Tiana, and she also graduated from my school, FAMU, so of course I am going to support it, and also I just really love Christmas movies. My favorite Christmas movie is This Christmas (laughs) I watch it every year several times when Christmas time rolls around. So yeah, I will be watching that. And there is also a new movie coming out. I believe it's coming out this month, October. And I can't remember the name of it, but it has Omari Hardwick and Loretta Devine. I believe she is going to be a sort of hoodoo um, 
practice person. Like, I don't know the correct name for the title, but his plane crashes. Google the trailer. Watch the trailer. Um, And this isn't a spoiler or anything, but he's like on a plane. His plane crashes and he ends up in her house and she does some stuff. So highly suggest you look out for it. I do, do, do believe that it comes out this month at the end of this month because it's supposed to be like a thriller suspense kind of situation so if you enjoy those types of movies be on the lookout for that also last night I believe it was last night um in Atlanta the actor Thomas Jefferson he was murdered he was shot several times in his back now you may not recognize his name but you I'm sure you will recognize his face if you Google his name. He has been in several Spike Lee movies. He was in Lackawanna Blues. He was a guest star in Law and Order. He has been in so many things. It's not a name that you would automatically think of, you know, like a Denzel, but he has been working for years. Now, I believe he was 70 um, at this time and I just can't wrap my mind around like who would kill a 70 year old especially I just who would kill someone period like I just don't understand the concept of killing people like a life is not yours to take and a life is not yours like to decide whether it's valuable or not but I really do hope that they catch the people who murdered him anyone who was involved and my condolences go out to his family and his friends so that is all I have for our carefree updates here's a break from our sponsors and then we'll come back and talk about our topic that I'm really excited about in a second so starting off Blacktober, our Blacktober series here, um, last year again, I started the series that runs throughout the month of October. So every Tuesday in October, we're going to be talking about a different topic that I've come up with to cover this month for Blacktober. Um, and these are different topics facing the Black community. This month, I want to start the first episode of Blacktober talking about the question or posing the question, who defines what's ghetto? Who defines that? Who gets to say what ghetto is? Um, and if you're anything like me, when you hear the word ghetto, you may immediately think um, about the negative associations with Black people. You may think about an area of a neighborhood or an area of a city that is predominantly black. You may think about hairstyles. You may think about certain styles of clothing. Um, you may think about ways that people speak. Whatever it is that you think about, I'm almost sure that those things stem from ideas that have been fed to you by the media or ideas that people around you have fed to you. So I started asking myself the question, where do these ideas of ghetto, quotes around ghetto, come from? Because they have to come from somewhere. Hence, this episode is talking about the history of what we now know to be called the ghetto. And also, hopefully, during the course of this episode, we can change the ideas and stigmas surrounding what is referred to as ghetto or what is associated with the term ghetto. So first things first, while I was researching this topic of the ghetto and where this even comes from, I found two particular articles that I want to share with you a bit of. And the first is an article from time.com. 
And by the way, I will link both of these articles in the description of this podcast episode. But the title of the Time article is How America's Ugly History of Segregation Changed the Meaning of the Word Ghetto. Today, for many Americans, the word ghetto conjures images of rundown and crime-ridden African-American segregated areas, aka what we hear often, inner cities. Um, And this connotation is recent. So this has been a thing over the past 70 years or so. Now, mind you, when you hear 70 years, you may think, oh, that's been a long time. Uh Uh-uh, it hasn't. 70 years is not that long when you really think about it. But the term ghetto actually came from a linkage between Jews and the ghetto. This happened in 1516. Now that was a long time ago. And it happened as a compromise offering to those people agitating for the city to be Christian only in Venice. So Venice confined its Jewish population to a little island in the northern part of the city known as the New Ghetto. Now this term ghetto is likely derived from the Venetian verb guitare, meaning to pour or to cast, and probably can be traced to the earlier presence of a copper um, location that was located in an all-Jewish district. So here is where we first hear the term ghetto. So from the 16th century to the 18th century, long time ago, the institution of the legally compulsory and physical physically enclosed exclusively I know that's a lot Jewish enclave is spread so these ghettos that were composed of Jewish individuals they spread to Rome Florence and other parts of other Italian towns and cities so the Venetian label stuck and these mandatory Jewish areas throughout Italy came to be called ghettos so here we have it now for me I did not know this. I always just thought that, you know, the ghetto was something that was conjured up for the black community. So it really makes a world of difference to know the origin of these words and how they actually came about. So the emancipation of the Jews of Italy starting in the late 18th century led to the dismantling of those ghettos that they were confined to live in. And the ghetto of Rome in 1870, it was the last surviving ghetto in Europe. But the word itself was harder to get rid of. So even though these ghettos had been dismantled, the word stuck. So in the ensuing decades following all of that, the word ghetto was resurrected again, and it was referring to these new big city Jewish immigrant neighborhoods such as Manhattan's Lower East Side, which was once labeled the New York ghetto. And these areas were densely crowded, um, populated by Jewish and non-Jewish individuals as well. So African-Americans had started using the term ghetto to refer to their own residential segregation as early as the 1910s, also a long time ago. And this time, you know, there were several American cities who were passing zoning ordinances that prohibited black people from living on blocks where the majority of residences were white or residents were white. We know this to be called redlining and also just plain old segregation. You know, redlining came a little bit later and it was like a term that they used. And we talked about that 
last year in the episode for Blacktober, What is Gentrification? We talk about redlining and the issues that Black people go through with housing discrimination. So Black people started referring to their own neighborhoods as ghettos. Now, the negative association that we know today um, when it comes to the term ghetto really came about in the 1960s when these urban race riots started happening and different newspapers started printing articles um, entitled, you know, the Negro ghetto and things like that. So here is where we start having a problem with the term ghetto. Now, some African-American thinkers objected to the label for what they saw as a stigmatization of black communities. In a 1965 interview, the author Ralph Ellison loved him, described the portrayal of Harlem as a ghetto as, quote, one of the most damaging misuses of a concept that has ever come about in the United States, end quote. If a black writer, he claimed, accepted the description of Harlem as a Negro ghetto, which means, to paraphrase, one of our writers piss in the halls and blood on the stairs, he'll never see the people of whom he wishes to write. Even as the word ghetto has come today to be seen first and foremost as part of the African-American experience, its usage is still not without controversy. Some view ghetto especially when used colloquially as an adjective meaning deviant, as slanderous and racist. And others believe the term powerfully conveys the intractable prison-like nature of black segregation. The reality that residents in inner city neighborhoods remains involuntary for most, practically, if not legally. What is clear is that this disturbingly resilient word, quote, ghetto, has not lost its capacity to unsettle and provoke. Now, that is just a paraphrase of the Time article. So I do suggest that you go and read that because it is a nice read. I highly recommend it. And the second article is an NPR article titled Segregated from Its History, Now Ghetto Lost Its Meaning. And how ghetto lost its meaning, I'm sorry. And there is a subsection of the article which is entitled Ghetto Not So Fabulous. And I wanted to point out a few things that they said in here. It says that ghettos were always defined by lack of choice. They were places inhabitants were forced to live, whether by anti-Semitic governments, discriminating neighborhoods, or racist practices like redlining. Bingo, we talked about that. Sociologist Mario Small argues that these limits have a large been lifted such that researchers should no longer consider quote ghetto a useful word for urban slums mm, i kind of beg to disagree with that one but we're just gonna agree to disagree now being ghetto quote or behaving in a low-class manner see also ratchet also ghetto fabulous which they say is flashy glamour without the wealth Ghetto as an adjective, roughly synonymous with jewelry rigged for anything cobbled together out of subpar materials. Many commentators have objected to these terms. Using ghetto as an insult is, as our own Karen Grisby Bates has pointed out, inherently classist. I like that because it is. So it's a word that allows you to erase individuals and create boxes. So I wanted to um, kind of in that section there again i'm going to link both of those articles in the description 
So now that we know and understand that the term ghetto was not even created from a place of being an adjective in the first place um, or a description of a person or a person's acts or looks, ghetto was a place where people of certain races and heritages were confined. So how in the world did ghetto lose its original meaning and become synonymous with black people? I can recall doing several things that I felt like were, quote, normal. And someone saying to me in the process of me doing those things, um, don't do that, that's ghetto, or that's so ghetto. Don't wear that, that's ghetto. That hairstyle is ghetto. Those clothes are ghetto. And I was always super offended by it whenever I heard it because before I had the language to kind of understand it, you know, now I'm like, who gets to define that? And we as black people, why are we so hung up on keeping that thing going? Now, with all of that, I find myself asking the question, why is it that so many things um, are taking, you know, or taken from black culture and black people? And when it's appropriated, by other people and cultures, then it's seen as socially acceptable. For example, braids, cornrows, long nails, baby hair, layered necklaces, door knocker earrings, certain styles of clothing. Growing up, all of these things were commonplace for me. I saw almost all of the women in my life wearing these things at some point in time and in one way or another. Now, for us, others may look at those things and deem them unprofessional or unacceptable in certain environments. Those things that I just mentioned, they were not showcased in high fashion magazines until they were seen on skin that wasn't black. So I remember Billie Eilish wore long nails to the Oscars, the most recent Oscars, And the news outlets had a field day with it. Seventeen magazine said, quote, Billie Eilish slayed the red carpet with the longest acrylic nails humankind has ever seen. This all black studded mani is inches upon inches of nail glory. But I mean, how can she open the door? Eat a Cheeto. Get an eyelash out of her eye. Honestly, those nails should be registered as weapons, end quote. And there were several other articles and commentary about the nails. I remember it vividly. However, ultimately, it was seen as a statement. Even though they had all of that stuff to say, it was seen as a statement, a fashion choice for her that hadn't been made before. And I just found it funny because I've seen nails like that for years. And those nails were not even the longest that I've ever seen, right? I've seen women work at state jobs with the long nails back in the day that used to curve over. Y'all remember those? It used to be shaped like a C. And I'm not talking about the short ones, the long ones. I've seen those. And even back then when I was a child, when I saw those, I would hear people whispering about the woman wearing them and, you know, asking questions like, how can she do anything with those nails? How does she work here with those nails? You know, and now when you see it on other skin, it's a fashion choice. It's high fashion. Personally, I've even had nails that were shorter than what Billy had on the red carpet. And I've had people um, of different races mention to me in passing at work in different work environments, you know, make comments like, how can you get anything done with those? Um, 
So now you see so many influencers that aren't black have these long stiletto nails and they're featured in magazines for them. The same goes for jewelry and clothing and hairstyles, airbrush t-shirts that I don't know about you all, but here in Florida, that used to be a necessity. Whenever you went to the fair every year, you would get you a a new airbrush t-shirt with your name on it or something cute, you know, and now you see these t-shirts in fast fashion, you know, fast fashion websites and things like that. And I hate that things that stem from our culture can be put on and taken off like a costume. And that's okay. We haven't even passed the Crown Act, which prohibits discrimination based on hairstyle or hair texture in all states. There are currently seven states, seven out of 50 that have passed the Crown Act at the state level. So that means there are 43 other states that can, get this, legally discriminate against people for their hairstyles and their hair textures. Now, if this does not make sense to you, um, maybe you have not experienced what I'm referring to, and if you haven't, kudos to you. Um, However, I know several black women personally, and I myself have had to put way too much thought into how I'm going to wear my hair for an interview. Will I wear it straight for the interview? Will I have to flat iron it? Will I try to put it in a sleek bun so that it seems more professional and acceptable? Um, Do I take out my braids or my faux locks so it's not seen as ghetto or unprofessional? Because keep in mind, ghetto and unprofessional are synonymous in our culture. When you hear someone saying that something is ghetto, they're not saying that as a compliment. They're not saying that to be nice. So we put all of this thought into these, for other people, what are small decisions, minuscule decisions. But we have to put our thoughts into these things before we even step into a room because we have to think about how the person on the other side of that table is going to receive us based off of our looks alone. So, you know, when you think about these questions that we ask ourselves, even when it's just about hairstyles, Those questions happen all the time for us, even outside of hair. And that's why we speak up on these issues. And it's important for us to have conversations about, quote, ghetto imagery and references. I went on Pinterest um, when I was preparing for this podcast episode and I just typed in ghetto. Did I type in ghetto? I think I typed in ghetto. And, you know, when you're scrolling on Pinterest, if you're a Pinterest head like me, um, usually when you search something so simple like college fashion or job interview clothing, if you're black, you usually have to type in black girl at the end of it in order to get some results that are black women. But if you just search ghetto, you don't have to type in black girl at the end because all you're going to get is images of black women. Now, when you're scrolling through those images, you have these different subsections that give you related searches. And I just found it kind of interesting how the related searches said things like soft ghetto or ghetto fabulous. And when I was clicking on them, I was trying so hard not to get offended because when you search things like soft ghetto, it is, I guess, what people view as 
what I referred to earlier as the costume where other people can put on certain things and you know take it off at the end of the day now for us when we wear those things people just feel like that's who we are we don't get to just take those things off and you're just a woman at the end of the day but other cultures and people do and it's just kind of like it, it bothers me and I have a question for you is the term ghetto offensive to you um does it depend on the messenger and not the message for me I have a problem when people outside of our culture call things ghetto I have a problem with that because who are you to tell us what ghetto is and also when you're using it against us you mean it in a negative way also a question do you feel like things are only quote ghetto when they're on black skin that's a question for you as well and also do you not mind the label or the stereotypes associated with the term let me know i'm curious for me I don't necessarily mind it just only when it's coming from outside. Like if the call is coming from outside the house, that's when I have a problem. And also sometimes when it's coming from inside the house, when it's used by another black person to be classist. So if you feel like you're up here and another person is down here and you refer to different things that they do as ghetto, I, I have a problem with that. I do find issue with that. So those questions, I'm going to leave those with you to ponder on and think about, you know, throughout this week when you think about the question, who gets to define what's ghetto? And also share this episode with some friends and some co-workers and some family so that our little podcast family can grow. Don't forget to stay black and carefree. I almost said ghetto. I almost said ghetto. Don't forget to stay black and carefree. And I will see you guys in a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries next week. Continuing Blacktober. Bye, guys.